0: first of all, it's great for bookkeeping. Secondly, it's just a way for a person to start acknowledging with actual transactions, this thing is real and Mm -hmm. I'm going to treat it like it's real from day one. I'm going to be the investor in the business by moving money from personal to business checking. And by doing that, acknowledge that now I, as the investor, have, have kind of skin in the game in this new project.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm talking to Mark Butler, the founder of Let's Do the Books. So Mark has spent the last seven years as the money guy for six, seven, and eight-figure coaching businesses. His newest project is called Let's Do the Books, which is a friendly bookkeeping service for coaches and creators who want perfect business financials without confusing software or expensive accountants who don't understand online businesses. I know that this is a situation that a lot of the listeners of this show are in themselves. So I'm really excited to be introducing Mark to you guys and to be sharing his knowledge with you today. Hi there, Mark, and welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Gillian. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really looking forward to learning more about just some of the basics as far as bookkeeping and financials go that every entrepreneur really should understand. Because I know that, like I mentioned, a lot of the listeners are DIYing their finances, doing their own bookkeeping. um, And it can be a little bit stressful to do that, especially when you don't really know what maybe you don't no. Mm-hmm. So before we get into any of that, though, I just have a question for you about the work that you do. Um, mm-hmm. As I read in your bio, you have worked with eight figure coaching businesses. And I'm really mm-hmm. curious, what is the business model of an eight figure coaching business? Uh,
0: that specific business was a, uh, a higher ticket membership that led to a, an even higher ticket certification.
1: I see. Okay. So it's more, it's not at all one-on-one coaching. It's a one-to-many group coaching, sort of like a a high ticket mastermind almost.
0: Yeah. Although she doesn't really do masterminds. So, but you're right. It is, the whole business is one-to-many at this point. There's no one-to-one aspect of it anymore. Um, So the front end of the business is a a $300 per month membership that Mm -hmm. people pay for. And then uh, quite a you know, a, a high enough percentage of those people end up doing the uh, a certification off the back of that membership that costs $18,000.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. My next question also about your business is, I understand that you have this new project called Let's Do the Books. Could you tell me a mm-hmm. little bit about that program, that software, that service, whatever it is, and how it works?
0: Let's Do the Books grew out of the fact that I, I found over the last seven years that when Coaches and course creators and online business owners would come to me. They would very often come to me in one of two scenarios. One would be that they'd experienced a sudden spike in income uh, or revenue, and more specifically, uh, revenue in the business. So they're sort of having their best months ever and starting to feel like, oh, I I need to do something with this money. I need to have my accounting sorted out. And then I would hear from them. What I would very often experience, and this is completely fine when it happens, but that they up till that point had been procrastinating, the dealing with their finances. So always with the idea that they, um, they would deal with that when they started to make money. But along the way, because they were waiting to deal with it, they probably did a few things that made it a little bit harder to get it cleaned up and set up correctly when they finally did get around to me. It's totally fine, my team and I are happy to deal with that. But I created Let's Do the Books in part because I wanted to make it easy for people to start working with me long before they felt like they absolutely had to. So Let's Do the Books is a service that lets, that meets people wherever they are in their business and has a sliding scale fee structure so that if a person's very new in business isn't, isn't generating a lot of revenue yet, they can still access me and my team to get things set up correctly so that everything is good to go from day one. And then when the money spikes, as hopefully it will, they've already dealt with it all and there's no there's no surge in stress to go with the surge in revenue. So Let's Do the Books is a bookkeeping service that makes sure uh, business owners have their financials clean and current and accurate and kind of meets them at whatever revenue level they are at the moment, thanks to the sliding scale fee structure.
1: I love the idea for that because I can really relate to what you were Mm. talking about there, where when I started my business for the first several years, I wasn't making hardly any money. Uh, I was still just figuring out, how to start a business, really. And so I certainly was not in a position to hire a bookkeeper myself um, because there wasn't really anything to manage. But as I started making a little bit more money and a little bit more money, things got messier and messier. And I didn't know what I didn't know, but I also... I I just knew I still wasn't ready to really hire a bookkeeper. Um, And so I was looking for something like what you're describing and at least I couldn't find it. Um, So how does let's do the books actually work though? Is it a service? Is it a software? What is it and how does it help?
0: So it's a service where when a person signs up for the service, uh, we, we, we do everything. It's a done for you service. So they sign up, we have a welcome call with that person um, we make sure that we have access to everything that we need to access, like PayPal and Stripe and a business checking account. And then from that day forward, we pull all their their business transactions into our our financial software that we use so that they have up to the minute or up to the week at the very latest reports on their business finances. So we take care of everything with the exception of once a month, we email our clients and say, hey, we have questions about these few transactions. Can you clarify these transactions for us? And once they give us that clarification, we can finalize the reports for that month and then they have those on demand. So we, we we're a done for you service because we don't want our clients to have to learn accounting uh, or, and you know, all the associated jargon in order to have their financials clean and current.
1: Well, I wish something like that had existed when I was starting my business. That sounds
0: I'm really, really helpful. I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm sorry that you didn't have it, but I'm glad it exists now.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned that before you created Let's Do the Books, when you were working as an accountant, that often when a business owner would come to you because their revenue has started to increase, that there were some mistakes that they had made or some things that maybe they hadn't done that put them in a little bit of a pickle. You know, maybe they weren't quite where they should be with their bookkeeping. Could you share with me some of those mistakes that you really often saw?
0: There's one biggest one. Uh, And the biggest one is, I I hate to even call it a mistake because it's more just a person not real. It's like you said earlier, it's them not knowing what they don't know. Uh, And it's the simple act of separating their business finances from their personal finances. So very often new business owners, when they're getting started, there's there's an element of wondering whether this is all going to work out anyway. So if I'm not totally sure it's going to work out, why would I get a dedicated business checking account? Why would I get a dedicated business credit card? And then why would I only... Run my business transactions through those accounts because I'll again, I'll deal with that later when I start to make more money. So, very often, when or this used to be the case, when I would take on a new client, I would find myself doing sometimes as much as a year or two worth of kind of back bookkeeping and parsing or separating out all the business transactions from the personal transactions. And again, not the end of the world. My team and I are still happy to do that to this day, but a business owner saves themselves some headache down the road if very early in the life of their business, they say, you know what, I bet this is going to work out at least to some extent. So I am going to get a checking account for the business. I'm going to get a credit card for the business and I'm going to run business transactions through those accounts. I will thank myself later. That's the biggest thing
1: such good advice and so my question my follow-up question is should someone create a business bank account to separate their finances when they're first like thinking of starting their business they have a business idea maybe they've created you know they need to spend the money to buy the domain for the website or something like that they're definitely not bringing any money in yet they're just trying to get this off the ground should they start the business bank account then or should they wait until they do have a little bit of money coming in
0: you know, there's there's what I would love to see as the bookkeeper, and then there's what I think is realistic, and probably the best case is somewhere in the middle. I would say this. I think that some sometimes newer business owners get hung up on something as simple as the business checking account because they wonder whether they need to form an official entity or incorporate before doing that. Because often business uh, bank accounts will require you to have an employer identification number which requires you maybe to incorporate and they get sort of overwhelmed by all that. And they say, I'm going to deal with it later. I think there's a, there's a, an easier first step, which is this the day that I'm feeling really excited about this new thing. I'm going to go to the bank where I'm already banking and I'm going to open a new checking account, even if it's just a personal checking account. And I'm going to call that bank account, the business's bank account, Mm -hmm. no EIN, no entity, none of that. It's just me, acknowledging and sort of voting for my business and saying, this is real. I'm excited about it. I'm going to give it its own account. And then when they're ready to buy that domain or sign up for that first program or course, that's going to help them grow their business. They move some money from their personal account to that new business account and then spend on the business from that business account. First of all, it's great for bookkeeping. Secondly, it's just a way for a person to start acknowledging with actual transactions, this thing is real. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to treat it like it's real from day one, I'm going to be the investor in the business by moving money from personal to business checking. And by doing that, acknowledge that now I as the investor have have kind of skin in the game in this new project.
1: What a great practical way to believe in yourself. (laughs) That's like some of the most common, uh, I won't even say advice, but, you know, a thing that people say, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. You're not going to succeed unless you believe in yourself. But what does that even mean? But by just taking this simple step to take yourself more seriously, to take your business seriously, I see that as a really practical way to believe in yourself. So I love that.
0: Yeah, me too. I, lo- I love seeing people do it, seeing people vote for themselves and cheer for themselves in that way.
1: What other really common mistakes do you see businesses make when they're coming to you and they haven't had a bookkeeper in the past?
0: You know, there there are sort of quirky little things like if they use a spreadsheet, it, it's something as simple as the way they set the spreadsheet up sort of maximizes difficulty for them and complexity for a bookkeeper later. So I'll see little things like a person will set up a new tab of a spreadsheet for every month, or they'll set up a new tab of the spreadsheet for, um, you know, this is for expenses and this tab is for income and, or revenue, things like that. And again, always well-intended, nothing horribly wrong with any of this. But if you want to do something as simple as using a spreadsheet, because I know tools like QuickBooks are, in my opinion, very overwhelming, one tab on that spreadsheet. And then I'll say this, and hopefully your listeners can write this down later, but you just need a few very simple columns on that one tab of that one spreadsheet. You need a date column where you record the date of any transaction. You need what would I call a payee column, meaning who's the person that's involved in the transaction, whether it's MailChimp or Mark Butler or whoever it is, you need a little category column or even simpler than that. You just have a note column where you put a note about what the money did. It paid Mm -hmm. for software or it paid for coaching or whatever. And then you need an amount column. And if the amount, if the money left you, the amount will be negative. And if the money came to you, the amount will be positive. That's it. That's if you just sort of keep a running log of your transactions with those columns at the end of the year, when it's time to do your taxes, if you were to give your tax pro that spreadsheet, they'd probably be shocked and and thrilled because that would be so much simpler and easier for them to use than what they're accustomed to seeing, which is probably you know like a stack or like a shoebox full of receipts or something, you know? <laughs> If you want to use a little spreadsheet, just keep it simple. It doesn't need to be anything too complex.
1: I love how simple that is. And it's a step more than what I did when I started. Like I had that two <laughs> box of receipts, you know, with a lot of receipts missing even. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I love how simple you're making this. It, and it's also would take so little time to set that up or to maintain that.
0: It is. It is. You know, in, in many new businesses, including some of the businesses that that sign up for Let's Do the Books because they just want to outsource this. You know, we'll see fewer than 10 transactions per month in some of these businesses. And if you have fewer than transa- 10 transactions per month, and if you don't want to use a service like Let's Do the Books, it really will only take you 10, maybe 15, 20 minutes a month to log your business transactions in that simple spreadsheet and, and then just be done with it. So
1: mm-hmm. keep it
0: simple and then you're more likely to actually stick with it
1: yeah and not only is that obviously going to make your finances a lot more organized but just the peace of mind that's going to give you that you understand and you know what's going on that alone would be worth so much more time than the 10 or 15 minutes you'd spend on that and of course like just setting up a simple spreadsheet like this is completely free
0: yes it is you just use a google sheet or an excel sheet and you're you're going to be good to go
1: One of the toughest parts about being an entrepreneur is that your income can fluctuate a lot from one month to the next. This can make it tough to plan and budget and it can also cause a lot of stress. But what if you could accurately predict how much your business would bring in each month or even for the next year? How much easier would that make things for you? Well, I want to teach you exactly how to do just that. How to predict your profits for the next year. Just head to gillianperkins.com slash predict-your-dash profits to sign up now for the free workshop. It's just 20 minutes long, but it will teach you a valuable lesson about how to thrive as you continue to grow your business. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash predict-your-dash profits, or simply click the link in the show notes to sign up now. So beyond that simple spreadsheet, as the business starts to grow a little bit and the entrepreneur is working on starting to scale their business to some degree, what are some of the basics of bookkeeping and accounting that every entrepreneur should understand?
0: Um, the biggest things that they need to understand are number one, that I, I alluded to this earlier, but that the business is its own distinct entity, whether it's an official government entity or not, it doesn't doesn't as matter as much. It's that it's its own entity with its own money and its own transactions. So you'll, you'll thank yourself later. When you're, when you're ready to start doing actual sort of analysis on where's my money going and where's my money coming from, that job is a thousand times easier if all those transactions are, are distinct from your personal transactions. Business owners also need to understand that the two most basic reports in any business are the profit and loss statement and the balance sheet and the profit and loss statement is a reflection of the money that the business earned and that the business spent with the profit being the amount left over after mm-hmm. whatever you spent so i think you hear that called a profit and loss statement you hear to hear it called an income statement that's the same thing it's just acknowledging here's here's what the business earned here's what it spent and here's what's left over now the big confusing uh, confusion here for people gillian is especially for solo operators like you know, our audiences tend to be, is when I take money out of the business, is that a business expense? Does that impact mm-hmm. my profit and loss statement? And the answer is probably no. And that's very confusing to a lot of people because they think if I'm paying myself this money, how is that not a business expense? Have you ever come across that confusion in any of your your audience or, or yourself?
1: Yeah, I was definitely confused about that at first. And I, I figured it out and now mine is mine falls into that maybe category <laughs> you know right. the the yes category, in fact. so so walk us through why that is
0: so what happens is if we go back to what we talked about a few minutes ago where we said, I, I would love to see you as the investor in your business when you're ready to spend before the business is making money, you put money into the business account. that's you making a contribution to the business. The business didn't earn any money when you did that. It just received some investment capital from you, the investor, who happened to also be the person working in the business. When you take money back out of the business, it's just you as the investor harvesting some of that cash. We call it a distribution or a draw, but the business didn't spend any money because nothing was purchased with the intent to grow the business. It's just you, the investor, saying, I need some of that money back. So that's why it doesn't it doesn't impact the profit and loss statement, and it's not called your salary, and it's not called your payroll and it's 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 even not called your profit. It's just money that you withdraw from the business for personal use. Mm-hmm. Now it sounds like in your case, you've gotten to the point where maybe you've incorporated in such a way that you've started to pay yourself through an actual payroll service. Is that, yes, is that that's what you're doing? Yes,
1: that's right. So now we're, we file as an S Corp and yep. I'm an employee of the company and so I earn wages.
0: Exactly right. Now, so Gillian being an employee of the company earning wages, You've got to be able to uh, envision yourself occupying a couple of different seats here. You are the investor who occasionally puts mm-hmm. money into the business so that it can um, it can function. You're the investor who occasionally harvests cash. That's the stuff that doesn't hit the profit and loss statement. But when you are the employee of the of the business and the business is paying you to help it grow and succeed, you're earning a wage. That is the business expense. And the way we identify that money, so it's obviously a business expense, is that we process those payments through an actual payroll service like ADP or like Gusto. You get an actual direct deposit into your bank account. You get a W-2. Those are business expenses. So in Gillian's case, everybody, at this point, she is the investor who can occasionally take cash out of her business. That's not wages or salary, and it doesn't impact the profit and loss. But she's also the employee who gets a regular paycheck from the business, which does impact the profit and loss. That way, Gillian's in a position that when she looks at her profit and loss statement and she sees her wages on it, she can say, oh, maybe I want to pay somebody else to do some of these things that I'm currently being paid to do, and I can get a different employee to do it. Then my profit increases, my ability to take more cash out of the business increases, but my actual work goes down. So that's a big confusion for people is what's the difference between the business profit and the money I take from the business and my actual sort of wages or payroll.
1: So if anyone's wondering if the money that they've taken out of the business should be on their profit and loss, the answer is no. You'll know if you're paying yourself wages.
0: Exactly right. And usually this was probably your experience. It was also mine, you know, all those years ago when your business is, is producing enough cash that the amount that you're taking from it exceeds a certain level. And I'm not going to give the level because I want you to talk to an actual tax pro. Your tax pro will say, you know, I think it's time for us to look at restructuring you so that you can pay yourself a wage and get the benefits of that, that tax benefits that come with paying yourself that wage and also sort of legitimize the whole thing. Your tax pro will let you know. Uh, In the meantime, when you're taking cash out of the business, it's not your salary. It's not your wage. It's just money that you're taking out of the business.
1: So you mentioned a little bit ago that there are two primary um, financial reports that people mm-hmm. should be aware of. One was profit and loss, and the other was
0: it's the balance sheet. Now the balance sheet does doesn't it doesn't play as big a role in businesses like yours and mine and our and our audiences uh, because our balance sheets are so simple because we have what you'd call a cash based business. Cash comes in, cash goes out. There's not a lot else going on. There aren't typically truck leases, and probably not inventory unless we're developing some sort of a, an e-commerce business where we have you know a bedroom full of stuff that we sell. Uh, but in course businesses and in coaching businesses, the balance sheet mostly just looks like the money coming in and the mo- money going out. And it keeps track of the different accounts in the business. So business checking, business credit card. And then it also keeps track of a, of a, an area of the business called owner equity. Now, this is again a part that can kind of get confusing for people. But owner equity ends up being a representation of how much money you have contributed to the business as an investor and how much money you've taken back out of it, how much money you've harvested. So you remember earlier we said, when I'm just taking money out of my business and it's not through a wage, payroll service or as an actual wage, I'm taking that money out of the business. That's actually reflected on the balance sheet. The balance sheet is saying, okay, Gillian has put we're gonna use random big numbers here. Gillian has contributed $100,000 to her business and then she's taken back out of it $80,000. So on her balance sheet, there'd be a line called owner equity that would have $20,000 on it. And that would be a representation of where do you stand in terms of your investment in the business? Now, this is a big simplification, but the reason I, I like to point it out to people is that sometimes they might think, well, I'm able to pay myself as much as I've ever been paying myself. You know, I'm, I'm really getting a lot of cash out of the business, even though my sales have gone down, for example. And I'll say, well, let's peek at the balance sheet. And what we might see is that on the balance sheet, we're seeing debt balances grow. We might see that last year you had total debt balances at the end of the year of, say, 10000 and this year it's 50000 What you've been doing is you've been subsidizing your own income with increased debt, for example. And so the balance sheet can kind of be the canary in the, in the coal mine that tells us, well, what's really going on in the business is the business, is its equity and is its cash growing over time? Is it shrinking over time? Is the debt shrinking over time or growing over time? The balance sheet clues us into what's going on there.
1: Would it be accurate to say that the balance sheet describes how much is in the business at any given point in time?
0: Yes. And what has also come into the business and gone out from the business in the past It kind of captures all of the above. So my experience being the CFO for all these online businesses is that we don't often really have to refer to the balance sheet because we don't have complex things like leases and inventory and that sort of mess. We're mostly dealing with the profit and loss and with our cash flow plans to decide how the business is doing. So the balance sheet is something that once our business gets to a certain size, the tax pro requires it because the law requires it but it's not something we as owners use a whole lot in our day-to-day thinking. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, for a business that isn't selling, that isn't buying inventory and selling inventory, it's so simple that it can almost be confusing because it's so simple. Like what is this even describing? So for the sake of understanding it better, could you give us a quick example of how it works for a business that has inventory?
0: So it's a really good question because in businesses that carry inventory, Mm -hmm. You get this weird situation where when I buy inventory, it's logical to me as the owner that that would be a business expense because I would think I don't have that cash anymore, but now I have all these items sitting in my spare bedroom. I spent the money and that that money is gone. Therefore, it's an expense. But the way that accounting deals with that inventory is that you don't realize the expense associated with that inventory until you actually sell it. So you can get in a weird situation where you could spend $100,000 on inventory and you could think, well, my profit is reduced by $100,000 because I spent that money. But from the IRS's perspective, you haven't spent that money yet. So that $100,000 will inflate your profit and therefore your taxes. And you can can see inventory-based businesses get in really sticky situations where they've spent a bunch of cash on inventory. But then, which results in a, in a high tax bill because their profit still looks really high because the IRS says, you haven't spent that money until you sell the inventory. So if I've got a whole warehouse full of inventory at the end of the year, I also am going to have a big tax bill. So I'm simultaneously like, I don't have the cash because I the in, uh, spent it on the inventory, but I do have the big tax bill because the IRS says that that money didn't come off my profit. So you see inventory-based businesses having to do some kind of gymnastics around tax time. Sometimes they have to dump inventory. Sometimes they have to do other weird stuff because inventory plays different from a tax perspective. Uh, It's one of the beauties of having a course business or a coaching business or any other online business that doesn't deal with inventory because Money out is typically an expense. Money in is is revenue. And the difference between those is your profit, which helps you guess at what your taxes are going to be. And you're not going to be caught off guard by that.
1: Well, I'm glad to know that I'm in the right business. (laughs) I'm glad for the additional confirmation. You
0: you really, really are.
1: I used to run a local business and I didn't run into that problem, but there were so many other aspects of running a local business, Mm. um, carrying some inventory, but just like the overhead of running a local business that caused me so much more stress that I felt like I didn't really get to enjoy all the, all the supposed perks of working for yourself. So, Mm -hmm. um, so now I know even more reasons why I'm glad I run the business that I do. Yep. Well, Mark, this has been really informative. Thank you so much for the simple steps that you've shared with us. I I just love how much you broke that down with some really practical things that new business owners can do to um, just to have a bit more of a handle on their finances, even if they're DIYing. And also just love the work that you're doing in this field. Like I said, I really wish something like Let's Do the Books had existed when I was getting started with business. If someone wants to learn more about Let's Do the Books um, and maybe work with you there. How can they do that?
0: Just go to letstothebooks.com. There's a, an introduction to the service there on that on that site. And also the opportunity to sign up for a quick consultation with me if you're wondering whether you're in a uh, spot where you'd benefit from our service. So letstothebooks.com is the best place to find us.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to be here on the show today and for everything that you've taught us.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More, a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.